Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. Hi, everyone. This is Ashley. And this is Brittany. And we are your hosts of More Than a Season podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. We have a special guest, and we always say that, but you know what? It's us this week, so surprise. (laughs) We're your special guests this week. Nobody else, just us. Yeah, nobody else. We uh, decided that it would be so good to just kind of have a little chit chat just like us for for once, you know? Yeah, and we thought that it would be kind of fun. We'll still do the same thing. We'll still talk about our weekends, but then we're actually going to dive into a topic. So we will get started with that in a little bit. But we had a really hot game this weekend. (laughs) It was very hot. It was very toasty. And I just, I didn't plan my outfit very well. And if y'all were watching on some stories, I kind of dove into it, but I wore a white bodysuit and it was amazing. It was like, I was telling Brittany all about it. It was like the skims, like Kim Kardashian material. And so I put on self tanner the night before, and then I showered in the morning, thought everything was all good, whatever. And I went to the game and I started getting like really hot sitting in those bleachers and I lifted up and my dad was at the game with me and I had a solid ring like boob sweat underneath from the self tanner and so I was cheering like with t-rex arms like I would not lift my arms because I was so embarrassed so I eventually went down got a t-shirt and changed in the bathroom and came back I can't believe you changed. That's crazy. It is a really cute top though, but yeah, it I is cannot believe you changed. <laughs> that is so crazy. I had jeans on, so I was really not doing well. We just weren't prepared. No, we, prepared. <laughs> we were not prepared for this game. Well, it was freezing in the morning and I actually for once went early. I got there at 840 and the game started at 11. And so mm-hmm. I was there so early, but it was freezing. So I was wearing jeans. And then really regretted my decision later on when it was like 90 degrees and I was sweating my butt off. So, well, and if y'all don't know, I think we've talked about it before, but Brittany's timing is always like perfect. I don't know how she does it, but she could leave somewhere at like 1057 and the kickoff is at 11 and somehow we still make it there before the kickoff. I don't know how she does that. I love it. I was telling my mom that I'm like, you know, I did the thing. I went early. Great. Good for me. But like, not for me because... I was with my friend's parents and they went into the game an hour early. And with that, that just gives me so much more time to worry and stress and get like anxious for the game. And I'm just ready for it to start. So it's not really for me, I think, because I just don't like that extra time (laughs) allotted. I'm the same at the airport. Like get me there with a perfect time to grab my water bottle and then walk right on the plane. That's my ideal time. Yeah, I don't like sitting at the airport either, like super long. But then if it's like an early, early flight, I know people are nuts. So I'm like, okay, well, then I have to be crazy and get there even earlier. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you always make it like perfect timing. But we had our game. 
we had our weekend and everything going on. And now we are starting a new week, but we do have some fun things. We have a workshop coming up. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun opportunity for y'all and us to join in on a workshop. We are going to be learning from Ashley Levering. She was one of our podcast guests about a month and a half ago, maybe back. And she's a life coach and she's going to give us all a mindset workshop. And it's going to be amazing because we've never done anything like this before. I think everyone needs to do it just because everyone needs a reset, first of all. And then second, I think it's always good to just keep yourself in check. Like even when life is going so, so smooth, just keeping all of your, you know, ducks in a row, keeping everything Mm -hmm. lined up. So we, uh, decided that this workshop would be so great. And we always like to meet everyone face to face if we can't be there in person. So how cool would that be? And then we also are going to be taking the class ourselves. Like we're not teaching it. We're going to be students. We're going to be partnering with her, but we're going to let her do her thing and sit back and take a seat. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And we're excited to meet y'all and hang out on Zoom for a little bit. She has a bunch of different sections that she's going to be breaking out the class into. And no matter if you're in season or not, this is for you because she'll be talking and walking you through what it looks like during season, how you can use these practices during your season and even during your off season. So if you can join us Tuesday, October 12th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Taking that into consideration with the workshop is we are – Super excited to just, you know, dive deeper, I think a little bit because we like talking and interviewing other people, but we don't really get to share besides, you know, the little stuff. This stuff is super vulnerable (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I always laugh using that word because, you know, they say it on the bachelor or the bachelorette. They're like, (laughs) was he really vulnerable or did his intentions (laughs) line up? And it makes me laugh because it's like, no, that's so true. I don't know how else to describe it. So as our, our community has gotten bigger, Brittany and I thought it was great to just open up and kind of share what we deal with behind the scenes with ourselves. This topic is really close to the heart for both of us. So we're going to be talking about two different things within mental health. We've been talking about that on our Instagram and all that. So we thought we might as well share our story and where we come from with this background. And so we each have our own things that we struggle with. And maybe you guys can relate to one of these things, maybe both of these things, maybe you have something else that you struggle with. But we thought it would be helpful to provide our perspective. So I'll say mine first and then Brittany can share what hers is and we can kind of, our whole goal is to just talk about like how we started, how we're doing and like what our future is that we'll just keep working towards because of course, when something like this is something that you live with, I think that you don't ever just drop it. It's something Mm -hmm. that you have to continuously work at, but mine has always been self-image. And when I say that, I know people have, you know, the different views of self-image and what that is to that extreme. But for me, mine has started all the way back within the cheer days. And I know that's so cliche because (laughs) of everything, but I just have struggled with it forever. And I don't know if it's because, you know, what one comment triggered or what it was, but I have never been able to just like drop it. Like even when I am at my best self, like, and I feel great and I feel beautiful because some days are better than others. I still struggle with that. Was there a certain time that, you know, it kind of just was 
apparent to you or how did you even know that you were struggling with that? Yeah. So I think that is as terrible as it sounds for me, it started in middle school and being on the cheer team and being a part of a big Texas high school and getting ready to go do, you know, all the things that go with football. I think that there was this like weird expectation that was put on me being like one of the biggest girls on the team, meaning like in size and weight and height. And I think it's crazy because looking back, you know, I'm five, two, like, and I was the tallest girl on the team. And so (laughs) it's just so funny to me, like, you know, looking back and you feel so huge, but you're like so short and tiny compared to what, you know, the normal standard is. But, you know, I just, I feel like there was a couple girls that uh, made it really, really difficult, whether they meant it or not, but the comments, whether it be, you know, oh, I need a bigger size uniform or, you know, oh, she's eating this or she eats a lot. I mean, it's all terrible comments, but back then I used to take them to heart. And so that's kind of where it developed in I'm of course not to that place today, but I feel like all through middle school into high school and even the beginning of college, I struggled really, really hard with eating and my weight going up and down. So like there would be times growing up in middle school and high school where I would like lose 30 pounds and then I would Mm -hmm. like gain 40 and then I'd go back down and back up. And it was because of me, like things that I was doing, whether it would be you know, binging or not eating or, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. And so it was, I think in high school where I was just like, so miserable. So I have pictures of myself where I was just like, so thin, but back then I was like, I looked terrible. I, you know, you have those distorted memories or images in your head. And there was a time where, um, I remember the coach that I had, which is now fired, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) the coach that I had in cheer, it was like my junior year. And he said, you know, if you're going to be captain, if you want these things, like you have to fit into this uniform. And so he like laid this uniform down. This is just like one of many stories, but laid the uniform down. And I kid you not, it was like a two, which I have never been a two in my life. I think my thigh is maybe a two, but Mm -hmm. he said that if you want to fit into this, like I'm not ordering another uniform. So you have a month to be able to fit into this uniform. And so for me, I see that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm probably like an eight or a 10 at this point. And so it started this terrible cycle of like, you know, me eating 500 calories and running six miles a day. And so I did it. I lost all that weight in like a month. I lost, I think it was 37 pounds was the total number. It was nuts. I mean, it was super unhealthy, but then it was terrible because everyone was telling me how great I looked. (laughs) Yeah. You look so amazing, but then, you know, you're so miserable on the inside. And I remember when I buttoned that uniform, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. And then you feel, you feel good. But then it's like, you know, looking back, I'm like, I sacrificed my soul basically and my happiness to fit into a little piece of clothing, which is so terrible. But in the moment I thought I was doing something good. So long story of all those things. I think that growing up, having like that skewed outlook on yourself. What did your parents say when you were like losing all this weight and you're basically changing your entire body and your mindset and everything in high school? Like what were they saying about these things? 
you know, they saw me, they would, you know, my mom would pack my lunches. She would do those things. They would check on me. They were very concerned because, you know, I was going to school with all this food, but to be honest, I was throwing it away and come home and say that, you know, I ate it, whatever. But I think they were noticing like that. I wanted something so bad that they were trying to like find that happy medium of like, okay, do we like stop her or do we say that she can't do this or she shouldn't do this. So I think that they just were kind of stuck in a hard place because they knew I was working for something really, really important to me at that point. But then they also were like, wow, you're kind of concerning us <laughs> like right. a, a lot. So right. I don't know. I think that that's kind of where my head had been back then. And I think that's why even today I still kind of struggle because there's times where I look at whether it be clothing numbers or things like that, or even the scale, I just always try to kind of tune it out at this point. Do you think that like your mindset has shifted from being in that moment of feeling like you have to get to a certain point and you have to like, do you still feel that competition with yourself? Like if there's a event or maybe something where you're like, I have to be this specific size or I need to look like this like do you still feel that like competition or that need to like fulfill that goal yeah you know sometimes I still do have that competitive side to myself I think what helped is like I don't weigh myself like every single day I used to do that where I'd weigh myself like multiple times a day so unhealthy because Mm -hmm. I mean if you drink water and food I mean who knows what it's gonna be But yeah, I think that now if I'm feeling good and I know that I've ate healthy and that I've, I've ran and I've done, you know, the workouts and things that I've done to feel good, I don't, I'm not as hard on myself as I used to be. So it used to be where I would check in with a number and I would be like, okay, if I'm not this number, you know, on the scale, then I'm going to look terrible. And it was like, you know, two or three pounds difference, but I was just obsessed with it. And I think that that was just something that, I mean, it drained me all through college. And you know, what's so funny is the girl that was making those comments and started off all the way in middle school. I hadn't seen that girl since, you know, being in middle school. And I remember I was running on the treadmill in college And I had just weighed myself at the gym and I went on over and she was on the treadmill next to me. I hadn't seen this girl in like, oh my gosh, like 12, 15 years. And I think that it was just crazy because she looked at me and she was like, Hey, I know this is weird because we're at the same college now, but like, I am so sorry. Like, I am so sorry for making you feel that way. And it was so weird because it was like, we're running on the treadmill and my heart like went into my gut because I was like, oh my gosh, this girl that made me feel so terrible about myself is watching me run basically on the treadmill, but she actually apologized, which was crazy. Good. I'm so glad she did because I feel like that's the other thing is kids are so mean to each other and they don't even realize it. Like they have no filter. I feel like when you're a kid, you kind of don't understand the repercussions of your actions until you experience that from someone else like until somebody makes you feel that way you don't understand how your actions will make others feel and so I think it's really important and I know that all of our mamas out there with kiddos like they feel the same way it's really important to teach our kids to first act with kindness no matter what you don't know what that person's going through like she didn't know what you were going through on the inside and I'm sure she probably had 
a similar experience where someone said something about her or made a mean comment and that made her think about her actions from previous. So I think that's crazy to kind of look back and see all those things that you did in high school and middle school and things that you could have changed. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's funny when you, when you say it out loud, you're like, well, she said something mean about me, but I just, I cannot stress enough. Like even as us being women, like at the age that we are like the comments, I mean, they dig like no matter what it's about, no matter if Mm -hmm. it's weight or image or whatever it could be, or I mean, anything, anything that's said in a negative tone, I think that it is so hard to forget. And I know that you can always forgive people and you can always not be better, but I will never forget, you know, I'll never forget Mm -hmm. those things. And so I think that's what I've worked for, for myself through all those things. So that's mine. And it may sound kind of childish because it was in middle school, but it, I mean, it still sticks with me here and there. Um, and I, I'm still working on it. Yeah. I feel like everyone struggles with self-image at some point in their life or now, or some days where you're just like, you don't feel good enough. And social media, I feel like we've talked about this before, but social media can definitely help in aiding that because you feel like you have to compare yourself to every single person on social media. Yeah. I think that with social media, I had to unfollow a bunch of people because again, it was like, I was idolizing some image that Mm -hmm. was not even realistic and it's not me. So as cheesy as that sounds like I'm never going to be, you know, 5'11", a size zero, like I'm not going to look like a certain girl. And I think that was the hardest part for me to accept is like, that's not you. Like that's, that's not going to be you. And I don't know if it's because we grew up in the age of like Britney Spears and like (laughs) Christina Aguilera, where their bodies were so unrealistic. Yeah. I always see that now too. Like people say, millennials had it so tough because we had like the image that you didn't want to have a butt and you didn't want to have a body and you were supposed to be like rail thin and now all of these young kids have all of these amazing amazing people to look up to which I think is awesome I think self-image has really transformed and social media has become a powerful tool but it's also you know hurtful but it has become a powerful tool because people can see people like them that are successful and their body looks like them. You know, previously we didn't have those role models. We had models that all looked the exact same and you didn't want to have a single curve or anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just not reality. So No, and it's not. And I think that with cheer in general, I think that there is a huge pressure, um, especially in the competitive world. I know that high school cheer, I mean, it can be – competitive, but the competitive cheer world where you're like, you know, going to worlds and doing all these things, the pressure to like have that flat stomach, flat everything. It is just unreal. And I know that I, you know, talking to other girls that we were in that sport, loved it. We're so, so athletic doing it. But, um, now it's like so much more acceptable to, be like whatever size you, you can be. I mean, it's just crazy to me Mm -hmm. because you could be, you know, one of the quote unquote heaviest girls and, you know, kick everybody's butt and tumbling and everything else. And so I'm just so glad that it's starting to like take a turn from when I was there. Yeah. 
I think also no one helped you when we were growing up and things like that because the uniforms that these people would wear are like you're not flattering their body type. You're not looking at these women and being like, okay, not everybody looks the same. It's just like bridesmaids dresses, right? Mm -hmm. Like not everybody looks the same. And I think when brides try to put their bridesmaids in the same dress, you're like, wait, that doesn't look good because that person doesn't have the same body type as that girl. And she has a different body type than that girl. So you just have to like realize that not everybody is the exact same. And that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that over counseling and things like that, just with me realizing that it's going to be something that always bothers me, but I can choose what to be upset about or what to kind of let seep in my thoughts in my mind um, and not feel guilty for, you know, eating a cookie or not feel guilty for, I don't know, like I used to count I used to count how many chips I would eat out of the bag. Like I literally was just obsessed with all things and where I'm at is still working at it. And some days are good days. Some days I'm like, you know, you put on something in the closet and you're like, I absolutely feel disgusting, but I feel like that's with anybody. And so, yeah, everybody goes through that. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm not the only one because I've had a lot of responses from even some of my friends. They're like, oh no, like I feel that all the time. So yeah, yeah, totally. I felt that too. I think everybody has had those times in their lives that they feel that. And I think as we get older, the more we realize like how confident we are in ourselves and how important it is to be individually you because nobody else is like you. And I think you don't really realize that when you're young and you don't realize that when you're in high school, you realize that as you start to mature, which sucks, it should go the opposite way, I think. Yeah, I just, I hope that with parenting and things like that, like I know that parents do the best they can, but if I found out that my daughter was like saying something like that or causing pain to somebody else. I don't think I would turn a blind eye. I don't know. I know that that's something always to look out for. And I know that even when I was coaching cheerleading, I remember there was a couple moments where they were making fun of a girl for like, I don't know, she fell and made like a loud noise. And they're like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's because it's her, you know, she fell and it made that thud noise or whatever. And seeing her face, I mean, I made them all run because I was like, you're not doing that. I was like, you are not doing that. I was like, we do not make comments about any of those things ever. Mm -hmm. And so I probably looked like a crazy, but it's just like small things like that, that I'm like, no more, like, no, no, it's just no tolerance for that. No tolerance for being mean and bullying. So what is yours? Let's dive in. I'm going to start interviewing you. I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear kind of your, your journey share with everyone. Well, we've talked about this a few times on here and on Instagram as well. I've talked about my anxiety. My anxiety is probably the one thing I've dealt with since I was in sixth grade. And I remember the day that I had my first panic attack and I had no idea what the heck was going on because I was sixth grader and I was at a assembly and all of a sudden I just felt like I wasn't in my body. And I felt like I was looking at my body from like an upper perspective, looking down on my body. And I just felt so weird and tingly and I just couldn't understand what was going on. I felt like I was kind of going to pass out. Like I just felt so weird. And so I remember going to the health, uh, the nurse, and I remember they called my mom and I was freaking out at this point. Like I was in a full-blown freak out because I was like, I don't even feel like I'm myself. Like I don't even know who I am or what. I don't know. I don't even feel like I'm talking to you. Like there was just so many things that you just, 
I was like, I don't understand what's going on. So I went to the doctor and they did all these blood tests and all these things. And I just remember, and this is a really weird thing. And if you've ever had anxiety, maybe you can relate because I had this feeling like when I would go to the bathroom and I go pee, I felt like I wasn't in the bathroom. And I felt like all of a sudden I was going to wake up and I was going to be peeing in front of everybody. And it's so such a weird, weird, weird fear that I know is now so irrational. But that was how it started for me. And that was how my anxiety really started. And I could kind of see it. And so I had that feeling at the doctor's office. And I remember my mom just like reassuring me. And then like we kind of figured out. I don't remember exactly how I was so young. I just remember like I kind of realized it was anxiety. So I was doing yoga at the time and I was going to see a therapist and they tried medication. It didn't really work for me. Tried doing a lot of like mindfulness acts and grounding yourself and yoga helps a lot with that. And I did I did like a lot of those things, but I still had panic attacks all throughout high school. And a lot of them stemmed from that, like going to the bathroom, not being able to go to the bathroom, not feeling like I could get up and go. And then when I did leave the classroom, I felt like I wasn't in my body and I was just going to like wake up and be in the middle of the classroom and like so embarrassed, you know? And so it, it started all with that for some reason. And that was kind of my experience with it throughout high school. I didn't really have a lot of other episodes, but except for in the classroom. And then it kind of transformed as I got my license. I ended up having anxiety attacks while I was driving and I had the same feeling like I felt like I wasn't in my body and all of a sudden I would be driving and I'm like I don't even know who I am or where I'm at or am I driving a car who where am I at in the car like I just had no concept of like what was going on and so I'd have to pull over and you know it's a whole freak out moment and if you know nothing about anxiety (laughs) your anxiety attacks they don't last very long the actual attack of it, the actual panic part of it. But once you are in those anxiety attacks, you continue to freak out and those make it longer and longer and longer. So when you're in your anxiety attack and you're continuing to have those fears and those panic moments and your heart is racing and you feel like you can't breathe or you feel like your mouth is dry and all that, like you're increasing that anxiety and you're making it worse and worse and worse. And that's just increasing your panic. So obviously the best thing to do is breathe but that is the most annoying thing that anyone could ever say to me is like well just breathe like well yeah no shit but Mm -hmm. also just breathing isn't something that's just going to pull you out of it and so I say that a lot like pull you out of your anxiety and I feel like I've had to explain this because my boyfriend Drew doesn't understand anxiety he never has had a panic attack and my family and I are very sensitive to the word anxiety because I feel like it's very overused. And I think people think like, oh, I'm anxious for a test is the same thing as like things that we experience everyday anxiety. It's not the same. Having that like nervousness and those like butterflies is not the same as like full-blown anxiety. And so we kind of have had to explain that to people that are around us or have to live with us or hang out with us. And it's really hard to explain to somebody that has never experienced that, what you're going through and like what you need in that moment. So for me, the hardest thing was trying to get him to understand like what I needed, because if you've never experienced it, you don't know what somebody needs. And I think I've talked to a lot of you and DMs and things like that about that moment. Like 
<laughs> when you're with a bunch of coaches wives or you're with a bunch of people that you don't know you don't feel comfortable to be like oh my gosh I'm having an anxiety attack I need to like remove myself from the situation or I need somebody that I can look to and they can pull me out of it and I know that they can pull me out of it if you can't do it yourself mm-hmm. and so I think that was a really hard thing for him and I to kind of get through and it took a lot of practice and we've really gotten to a good spot in our relationship now where he's really good at it but I still default to like my mom or my brother or somebody that has it because they kind of get it a little bit more but my anxiety has really morphed it's an everyday thing it's in my every single day life it's just how is it going to show up for me that day and sometimes it's while I'm driving sometimes it's when I'm just sitting there, sometimes it's in a grocery store, sometimes it's at a football game, sometimes it's just at night when I can't sleep. So I think a long-winded answer of anxiety is it's different for everybody and I think that you are probably experiencing it if you have anxiety, you've experienced something of this sort, but it's just these irrational thoughts Mm -hmm. that you know are irrational and ridiculous but you can't help but like ruminate on them and you can't help but spiral into them and I think what's helped me the most is to have those people that I know can pull me out of it and also be able to pull me out of it my whole family has anxiety like my mom's side of the family so my cousin has a technique that works really well for her and she's like named her anxiety And it's a person that she hates named Chad. (laughs) And she'll just be like, not today, Chad. Like, we're not doing this today, Chad. Like, get (laughs) out. And so she'll cuss him out. She'll have a whole conversation with Chad. So you can name your anxiety, (laughs) whatever you want to name it, and tell it to get out. Or you can tell it, like, not today. You're not coming with me to this party or you're not coming with me to the football game. But at the end of the day, like, for me, deep breathing has really helped CBD I've told I've told everybody CBD has helped me I have this like kit and it's like a little thing that I bring with me every single place I go to and I think for me that's just like my security blanket like okay if I have a panic attack I have this this this, and this to help me through it I have all of these options so like if I have one no big deal I know something that can help it will be in this little bag and for me that is my bonine which is like It's kind of like Dramamine, but way less drowsy. And I take that all the time. If I'm having anxiety attack, that's my first act of defense. And then I take gum. Gum always helps me. Water bottle. Water bottle because your mouth gets dry. If you're having anxiety attack, your mouth gets really dry. And then Xanax. I have Xanax just in case of the crazy things. And then CBD as well. So those are like my can't leave the house without these items. And if I do... I freak out. So it like adds the anxiety. Thank you for sharing, first of all. And I I know that it's never easy, like especially when you have anxiety and then you have to talk about you having anxiety. I mean, that gives you like stress to begin (laughs) with because it's like you have to talk about it. And I think that, you know, over the past, I think it'd be three years we've known each other now, I think three, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of opened up. I feel like once we moved to Pullman, you told me about it a little bit, but then once we moved from Pullman to here, you know, I learned a little bit more about what it means because I was totally that person that was like, just breathe. Like it's going to be okay. And I think that that is just me being so naive and not knowing like what that means. And I, I know you won't mind if I share, but like, even when we were at, I think we're at a game 
Um, it was at Ole Miss and there was something that really scary happened with Paddington, um, her dog. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had never experienced like panic attack with you before. And it was something that there actually was scary. It wasn't like, um, you had like a moment where I wasn't prepared for what had happened, but I think that just having someone there that understands and isn't going to judge you. I think that is like one of the things too, because, I mean, I can't imagine like being, you know, someone that has to move to a new location and then you don't know who you can trust. And then you finally have to tell someone because you're like, well, this is for my well being. Um, so did you have any fear associated with like sharing with Drew, like when y'all were dating, you know, Hey, this is something that I have. And if we're going to continue this and be serious, like I kind of need you to know like where I'm at. Yeah, I did. I had a lot of fear with that because like I said, it's hard to explain to somebody that's never experienced it. And I think people disregard it and not in a mean way. Like they're not trying to be like, Oh, you're overreacting. And I can totally see why it seems that way because if you're not in a person's mind or you've never experienced it, like you really don't understand it. And so I think for that, like it was really hard for me to know that he wasn't going to fully get it for a long time and it was going to have to be a constant thing that we worked on because it wasn't just like, oh, I have anxiety. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Good to know. Moving on. It was like, for example... Ashley knows this and I've said this to my friends too because for the longest time like they probably thought I was just an asshole but like (laughs) when I get anxious I get really moody because I'm like I don't really know how to vocalize that I'm having like anxiety because I don't that fear of being judged right like that fear of like someone being like oh we'll just stop like you're overreacting or whatever and so when I get anxious about going on a flight like the night before I'm like so mean because I am so anxious about the next day. I know what's going on. And so I've had to vocalize that to Drew. Like, I just have anxiety. Like, I might be a little bit bratty today. <laughs> like, I might not be myself right now. And then he totally gets it. Like, he he knows, like, everything I say is not trying to be mean towards him. Like, I am really just working through things myself. And I've had to do that with my friends, too. And, you know, you tell your friends and things like that, but they don't get it until they experience a full on anxiety attack with you. And then they can kind of see how things develop and things happen. And so I had that happen with one of my friends and (laughs) I woke up in the middle of the night and I like had a full blown anxiety attack and I was freaking out and I lived with her. And I woke up and I couldn't move my hands. Like I was so anxious. I couldn't move. I was so like tense. So I went in her room and I'm like, I need to sleep with you. And she's like, okay. And I was like, I can't straighten my hands. And she was like, what? I'm like, I don't know. And so we were just like laughing about that. But if you ever have anyone have an anxiety attack around you, the best thing that you can do is to pull them out of it. So talk about literally anything but the anxiety attack. Did I tell you this hilarious story? I went and I did this and this and this because then that person will start to focus on that and they're not focusing on their anxiety anymore. They're focusing on you and your story. And so she kind of did that. And I was telling her after the fact, like you didn't even realize like you were pulling me out of it. And then she had a random fluke of a moment, like overslept like 17 alarms, woke up so panicked. And in that moment, she was like, oh my God, that's what you experience all the time. And I was like, yes, that's it, you know? And so I think explaining it to people that have never, that you don't know is really, really, really 
Bolnar rule. Yeah. I think that, you know, it is such an overused word, especially I think that one's overused and, uh, OCD. Like I get Mm -hmm. so annoyed when people are like, I'm just OCD. Like I have to, I'm like, okay, well that's not what that is. And it's kind of like just throwing out a term because it's just, you know, it's just trendy, catchy, whatever, but because people say it and I know they don't mean anything by it, but it made me more aware of the difference between being anxious and then having anxiety because it's, I I feel like anxious is like a, a moment in time that you feel about something that is coming up and occurring like it hasn't happened Mm -hmm. yet and anxiety I feel like it's in the moment like you could be fearing something that has not happened yet or it could be in the past or it could be present like it Mm -hmm. is everything all around and I do feel like you have to have somebody that isn't going to judge you because, and especially like, I bet that was a fear too. Like when we moved and, you know, you're going to football or you're going to other events with, you know, other coaches, significant others. I mean, that has to sit in the back of your mind. Like what if this happens and I'm around these people and they barely know me. And then this Mm -hmm. is, this is what happens. It's definitely a fear, I think. And I've talked to a couple of you in, D- in DMs as well because you've asked about that. Like, well, what happens? Like, have you ever had one at a football game? So I've had this disorder since I was in sixth grade and I know a lot of my triggers and there's some that I don't know. There's some that things just happen and I'm like, wow, I didn't know I was going to have anxiety about that. But I know my triggers, like a lot of them are bright lights in a store. I can't drive at night. Like that's a huge trigger for me. Crowded spaces as a huge trigger. So there's football games for you. So like if you know your triggers and like you try to not think about that, it's just knowing what you can do in that moment to pull yourself out of it. And so for me, a lot of the time it's like texting on my phone or talking to somebody about something else or like excusing myself and going to the bathroom and putting water on my face or putting water on my neck that always helps getting a cold water bottle and putting on your your pressure points and those type of things those always help there's a lot of like little techniques that I've picked up along the way like that and exercise does really help overall doing exercise every single day getting outside being in the sunshine those type of things do help your anxiety and if you are having an anxious moment your body does get really hot so and Drew knows like if ever I'm like oh my gosh and he's like okay turn the air on like get the air going like <laughs> I did have to like and this is me being vulnerable you and I spend almost every other day together mm-hmm. whether we are doing podcast stuff or not I feel like I have had to learn like not to be like offended or to be hurt feelings. Like if, you know, if you're having like a bad day or you're feeling a certain way, like, or even at the games, like you do do that. You do, you text, like you have water, you Mm -hmm. do all those things. But I had to learn and kind of like educate myself because I think that's part of it too. Like being the friend, Mm -hmm. you like pick up on things and you finally understand you're like, okay, this is how she deals with it best and everybody's different. And so I I do think that it's pretty incredible that a lot of our listeners, they've reached out and they have very similar uh, feelings. Like there's a lot of people that have anxiety as well. And they felt kind of, you know, connected to you because they're like, oh, I thought I was the only one that had to do this. Yeah, it is weird. It's a really weird feeling because you do feel like you're the only person in the entire world that has ever experienced that, which I think is so crazy to think. And I know when I was younger, I really felt that way. I felt like 
oh my gosh, I'm the only person in the entire world that has this anxious feeling. Like I literally thought I was the only person and no one ever would understand me. And talking to some of the people in the DMs and I'm, it just made me feel so good because I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like I'm not the only person that has these feelings. I do think it's great that you have shared that. And I know that I am continuing to learn like as your friend and, you know, co-host. And I know that you have been there for me as well with the self-image and seeing, you know, over the years, just like yeah, things that get to me, totally different topics, but still. No, but it's true. Like you still, I think as a friend in moments like this and as people that are around a lot of women all the time we don't know those things that people are struggling with and once you do get to know people you kind of understand their vulnerabilities and you understand their struggles and you can kind of find ways to make it easier for them because everyone has their thing and I think that's really being socially aware really realizing those things and especially in the sports industry and with the coaches wives and athletes wives like you're in a group of women and you all have strengths and finding those strengths and you know capitalizing on those is the best thing that you can do as we wrap up here and we've talked about both of our topics I'm gonna ask the question to Brittany and then she can throw it back to me but what would be your one piece of advice like for someone that is struggling with that yeah I think Finding that person that you can really lean on within the coaches or athletes circle is always helpful, but that's not always something that you can do. I mean, sometimes you just don't connect with somebody on that level. And so I think finding out your triggers and really realizing, okay, what's my security blanket? What am I going to have that's going to make me feel more comfortable? Because I know for me personally, like when I have my security blanket, I have less anxiety attacks because I am already securing myself going into a situation that I'm going to be okay no matter what comes up. And so I've learned what my things are. And I think finding out what those things are for you could be different and just making sure that you constantly have that in any situation. And then you can always text me if you need to. I think that that's great. And I I say for me, anything that you think can make you feel better, not in a sense of like, go out and buy yourself, you know, some retail therapy or (laughs) things like that. I mean, maybe that would help, but I think that if it is, helps you feel the best to your ability, whether it be, you know, I don't know, getting your hair done every once in a while, or, you know, having an outfit that you feel confident in when you go, you know, out to somewhere, not spending, I mean, not saying to spend a ton of money, but I just think that making yourself feel the best that you can be when you go into a social situation where you're not feeling like, okay, well, I don't feel good about myself to begin with. And then I have to go and talk to all these people and feel confident. And I just think Mm -hmm. that when you uh, sacrifice your soul to something, whether it be food or whether it be an image of someone, um, you will eventually crash. And I think do what makes you feel best about yourself. Um, Even if you're shaking in your shoes and you have to go to a social gathering or social place, be confident and set yourself up for success. And then just to do research, like how can you help yourself, whether it be what you're putting into your body, like nutrition or your mind or what you're watching or what you're looking at. I think that that would help like tremendously. And please text me because I do feel like sometimes I'm the only one that (laughs) is going through this, which I'm not totally, but it does feel that way. So 
We appreciate y'all listening to us talk about our vulnerabilities and we want to hear about yours as well. So make sure that you message us if you have any questions or if you guys just want to share what's on your heart. We are on Instagram at more than a season podcast and we will catch you all next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than A Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than A Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.